Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Deaf Thing podcast with you, your hosts Nicola and Sean. Today we got another Lynx episode for you, so let's get right to it. What were your links, Sean? All right, well my first link is called How to Be Lazy and Stay Calm and it's from uh, yigar256.com and it talks about a very common issue where we as developers are given an assignment to fix a bug or add a feature. And when we go to try to do it, we realize that we don't understand the code because there's way too much of it, it's way too messy, it doesn't make sense, it's badly done, whatever reason. And our initial gut reaction is to feel inferior and stupid. It's our fault because the task we were given is relatively simple. And he says that's wrong, you should be blaming the code. Not yourself, not the people who wrote the code, not the company, not the people who assigned you the ticket, but blame the code. And the way you blame the code is you find specific things wrong with it and you file tickets. And then you or someone else will be assigned the tickets, which are smaller pieces of prerequisite work that are required to do the ticket. Because otherwise, if you go in and you realize that there are three or five things that have to be done before you can fulfill the ticket, say there, say there are three things. That ticket was one thing, but now it's four things. Now you have to do four pieces of work. And when your employer is expecting you to get something done that they think should take, you know, a day, but it takes two weeks because you're doing four things, it looks bad on you and it adds stress to you. So put those three tickets in and explain that you can't do it until these tickets are completed. And then when you work on one of those tickets, which may only take a day, then it'll be smaller in scope and it'll get that out of the way. And there's some more in there, but it's definitely worth reading and I really identified with it. That's a very cool thing or a way to actually break down tickets or tasks into manageable, you know, tasks. Absolutely. Do you want to do your first one or do you want me to go through my other? Sure, I can do my first one. My first one is develop. It's called Developer Differences, Makers versus Menders. And it's actually a short post which uh, goes about explaining the maker versus Mender, how the author calls it mentality, where, you know, you have makers who, you know, these people are awesome for creating your MVP. They always want to, you know, build on the, let's call it newest technology or build everything from ground up. However, they may not be the best people to actually maintain a certain code, refactor, you know, or in any other way, maintain a certain project. That's where menders come in and they actually love to come on a project that's been there for a while and go in, you know, refactor things, improve things, uh, update quote unquote plugins or any other third party libraries. So, and then again, like honestly, uh, in the end, the author asks, what are you? Are you a mender? Are you a maker or something in between? Personally, I think I'm depending on the project, most probably in between. What would you say, Sean? Ah, that's a good question. I would say kind of both and everyone should be both because if you are classifying yourself as a maker, it seems like you're trying to get out of work that most people would consider to be the more boring, tedious type of dev work. And if you just say you're a mender, it's maybe you're afraid of putting yourself out there and creating something new because you're suffering from imposter syndrome. So I think it's an artificial distinction, but maybe putting labels to it help when discussing it amongst you know developers cool point about the imposter syndrome and you know we did a podcast show on that one as well 
Anyways, what was your second link? Ah, my second link was uh, 10 things I learned from a job hunt for a senior engineering role. And this just came out about five days ago. And it's about someone who is, I think, a little bit closer to 50 years old, who has been in the job market on and off for a long time, has worked for a long time, and probably knows what he's doing, and decided to uh, find a new job. I don't know. He didn't specify whether he didn't like his job or he was leaving freelancing or whether he got fired or what. But he said um, the modern iteration of hiring has changed quite a bit. And it's nice because he has a nice little uh, like TLDR list at the top of some of the things that came out of this. Uh, one of them is that the job search takes much, much longer than it used to. Extensive homework is now normal is another one. And companies really want to know your salary. Don't tell. And there are 10 total. I'm not going to read them all. But he actually took notes and wrote down dates so he can tell you how many companies he applied for, on average, how long it took to get rejected or stop hearing back from how long their you know, coding homework assignments took and things like that. So it's a pretty interesting perspective from someone who had the foresight to collect data in their job search. Cool. Cool. My second post or link was is called The Era of Hackers is Over. And interestingly, it's from the same guy that your post, The Lazy Post, is. So by Yegor Bugayenko. Probably I pronounced it wrong. And, and in this post, he goes about, you know, he starts off with, you know, how the things were working in, you know, 1970s where you actually had, quote-unquote, hackers. And back at the time, at that time, the hacker word was not yet butchered and didn't have this whole negative connotations and everything. And he says that back in the day, it was actually cheaper to buy, I mean, quote-unquote, buy or hire more developers than to actually buy, you know, a more expensive server, for example. Where nowadays, the picture is actually twisted around where it's much easier to or much cheaper to buy more hardware than actually buy more or hire more people and he's actually arguing that with the rise of you know stack overflow meaning you have help literally you know for almost everything that you ever come across especially if you're starting right you have all the help that you can get on Stack Overflow and with the rise of open source software uh, or open source projects, people nowadays tend to do less quote-unquote hacking as it was back in the day and they just quote-unquote again put things together like Legos, right? So, and again, why? Because if you want, for example, to some algorithm to do its thing faster, you would just throw more cpu to it or you know gpu whatever whereas back in the day you would have you know people working on to actually improve the algorithm because the hardware was more expensive anyways an interesting post hmm. what was your uh third one right yeah so my third one is called the sixty-one thousand three hundred ninety-two dollar book launch that let me quit my job and it's about a guy who self-published a book and was so successful with it that in the first three days he made over $60,000 and that gave him the confidence to quit his job and go his own way. And this isn't something that um, is out of the reach of anybody, although he did 
definitely do a lot of thinking and planning beforehand. For example, he already had a pretty good number of followers. He had an email uh, list and social media followers, and he did things like posted about it on his blog that he's going to be coming up with a book, you know, months in advance. He posted the first chapter as a blog post. He would email the people who followed his email list with updates. Eventually, he announced the publication date to try to build up some interest. He missed the publication date because it took longer than he thought it would. And ultimately, when he released it, he released three different pricing tiers, uh, 29 bucks for the book in you know digital format, 59 for the book with accompanying screencasts, and 135 for the book screencast source code to a complete application he built using the principles taught in the book, so a full working application. And he was really hoping that in his first day, he might make like $5,000, and then maybe he might make $20,000 total on it in the entire life of the book. And by the end of the first day, he'd made 28299 By the end of the second day, 42000 in sum. And by the you know last day, over $61,000. And he gave a lot of information and the details of what he did to make that happen and you know some of the thought that was put into it so i thought it was a really interesting tale uh i'm interested in the title of the book oh i should, probably should have mentioned that so it's called refactoring to collections and it is all about php um it was to do with uh using functional programming ideas to write cleaner php code and it used the laravel framework cool Cool. So my last link is actually a website called numbermatics.com. And that's actually a side effect to the thing before. So I went to see uh, Ready Player One, which I unbelievably liked. And I have this thing for numbers, right? Which you know, of course. And believe it or not, I remembered the number on Artemis, uh, what was it, IOI number that when she was inside that, whatever they are calling it. And because I was like, this book, this number has to, you know, mean something because it's not there. And as other things as well, this book has a lot of, as I like to call them, gems, right? And yes, the number is 665190. So what, uh, so 66, I probably won't even, you know, read it <laughs> correctly in English. 665,190. Oh, there we go. A plus. Uh, anyways, and it turns out that this number is an even composite number composed of five prime numbers multiplied together. In case you really want to know, these numbers are 2, 3, 5, 19, and 389. So... Just like a nice little thing to know, which is, of course, totally useless. But, you know, people who like numbers like me uh, will remember this. Anyways, yeah, this concludes our links for the week. Unless you want to add something, Sean? No, I think that's good. Awesome. So there you go. Thank you for listening and see you next time. See you next time, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the DevThink podcast. To reach us for comments, show suggestions, and other feedback, contact us at info at devthink. That's D-E-V-T-H dot I-N-K. Our intro music is by Rupa Deadweiler. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast.